You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. First, we'll be talking to Logan Washburn about the premiere of the documentary his documentary filmmaking class made called The Prison Games about the Hillsdale football team in the 60s and 70s and some untraditional games they played. And then we will be talking to Alex Dimel about the retirement of the 22-year head football coach of the Chargers, Keith Otterbein. But first, Lauren and I are just going to talk about some of the top stories in the Collegian this week. So the top story is about the retirement of Coach Otterbein, which you'll just have to listen to this episode to find out more about that. Um, Some other stuff we have that's interesting is we have a story about the graduate school launching a hybrid program so that grad students of the classical education program can take classes online. I think this is super cool. Um, I actually have heard a lot of requests from people for this to happen um, through the call center at which I work. And I think it's awesome because that means that more people can be trained in classical education and then those people can go out to classical schools everywhere and educate people. Yeah, that's true. I also work at the call center and I would say probably every week, if not every other week, I get a call asking about if Hillsdale has accredited classes that they can do online. And I always have to say no, but looks like we'll be saying yes soon. Yeah, it's especially just great for the classical ed school. Um, Something they talked about in this story is just how much of a shortage there is of educators and administrators at classical schools. And, you know, if we want them to be successful, we have to have people leading them. So it's really cool. Another story we have on the front page is about the Student Federation changing its funding policy. And while it might sound a little dry, it definitely has an impact on students. Um, So I think what the change here I will attempt to summarize is that club sports and religious organizations are not going to get funding from student federation anymore. They're going to get funding from other sources. Um, So just an interesting change, something people should be aware of, I guess, especially if you are involved in those clubs. Um, We've got a story here about a professor that is very near and dear to Lauren's heart. Lauren, tell us about this. Yes. So Cameron Moore, he is now full-time in the English department, but I had him whenever he was a lecturer here, his very first semester in spring 2021. And I had him for Great Books 1, and I loved his class so much that I took him for Great Books 2. And so when I found out he was becoming full-time, I was thrilled because one of the last core classes I need to take my last semester senior year is Great Books and Continental Literature, which he will be teaching. So I was thrilled to hear this news. And so I, of course, jumped at the bit to write the article because I got to interview him and hear how excited he is to become full time. I also got to interview the head of the English department, Justin Jackson, and he was very happy to have Dr. Moore um, come and be full-time at the college. He said that 
Um, he's a great colleague. He always has a smile on his face. And he imagines that students who believe they don't love literature will f- actually find out that they do enjoy it because of Dr. Moore and how enthusiastic he is about the great books. Yeah, I've never had him, but it's always great to have more of these wonderful professors on the faculty. Was there anything interesting in the City News section this week, Lauren? Yes. So our top story is about um, a Branch County Commissioner, Tom Matthew, being the first to announce that he is running to fill State Representative Andrew Fink's seat. So he is running as a Republican uh, to be state representative of the 35th district. And the reason why um, Representative Andrew Fink is not going to be representative anymore is because he announced his candidacy uh, to run for the Michigan Supreme Court. In Lauren's favorite section this week, sports, there's some interesting news going on. Um, First, you know, we'll talk later about Coach Otterbein's retirement, but there is, of course... Um, reporting on the last football game of the season, which the Chargers won. They won it 35-17 to against Ohio Dominican. This win put them at 6-5 overall on the season, and the story says it was their first winning record since 2019 at 6-5. and So this was a pretty cool season. They It started out rough. They had a few straight losses, um, but... After, I think, the fifth or sixth game, they just started winning a whole bunch and I think won all of them in a row. So great way to end the season and I suppose great way to end Coach Otterbein's career. You know, something that I wonder is if the football team is still going to be referred to as Otter's Army because as anyone who is familiar with the college knows that every year there are shirts Um, given to the whole student body for free that say Otter's Army on it. And although the color and the material sometimes changes, the words never do. So just makes me wonder, are we still going to call the football team Otter's Army, even though Coach Otterbein will not be the coach? Yeah, it's a great question. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Although we'll be graduated by the time the next football season starts. So Mm, that's too bad. That is sad. Another story that we have is covering... The opening of Hamlet, which the theater department is putting on. This is pretty cool. It's the first time in recent memory that the theater department has done a Shakespeare production. Um, it requires a lot. I believe the uh, someone in this story said that there are more than 30 cast members in this. Um, but it's just right now the theater department is really f- full There's a lot of students in it and participating in it. So um, I believe it was Professor Brandon. um, He said, this is the time to do it because there are so many people and you need a lot to put on this show. So I have not seen it yet. Have you? I am going to go see it on Friday. So very excited about that. Yeah, I'll I'll be seeing it on Sunday at the matinee. But apparently it's a great production. You know, it hits all the, you know, it's a good representation of the original text. Um, according to this reviewer, but also has its own sort of take on the story. Um, Something that Jillian Parks, the culture editor who wrote this story, talked about is that the set is really awesome. A lot of times people will take 
you know, something's rotten in the state of Denmark and make it look super drab and, you know, rotten. Um, but this production is super colorful and, you know, just a lot of colorful lighting and costumes. So I'm excited to see it. I think it's cool that the theater department's putting this on. One of our friends is actually in the play. His name is Chris Dick, and I think he's playing the king. Yes, King Claudius. How fun. Yes, very exciting. That's enough from us. Next, you'll hear from our guests. The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Logan, the associate editor of The Collegian. This week, there was a premiere of the Prison Games, which is the half an hour documentary that our documentary filmmaking class put on. And The Collegian covered it, of course, and Logan was one of the people in the class who helped make this documentary. So, Logan, tell me first, what is The Prison Games about? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Lauren. Um, So the Prison Games is about the Hillsdale College football team in the 1960s and 1970s when it went inside the walls of Jackson Prison and actually played games against the prisoners. Tell me about the process of making this documentary. Who did you interview? So we we conducted a lot of research. We started out with um, one newspaper clipping. Um, And from there, we found different people to interview who then gave us different people. Um, And so we kind of expanded the process like that. And so one of the main people we interviewed was Brian Anderson, who teaches self-defense at the college now. But he was an All-American athlete in high school at Ypsilanti. And he, um, he was going to consider going to one of the larger state schools for football. Um, but he ended up coming to Hillsdale, and when he was here, he actually played in the prison games. Um, he knew a notorious person who was in the prison at the time from his um, past in Ypsilanti, and that was the serial killer, John Norman Collins. What are some stories he had about this serial killer? Yeah, they were actually both physique models back in Ypsilanti, um, and so he would pass him in the studio because they would be doing shoots um and similar times so um they they knew each other on a very small basis from that um you know they were just acquaintances but when they were in the prison um john norman collins it sounds like actually recognized him um but brian wasn't able to figure out if john actually recognized him or was just hyper focused on the game But what happened is that um, Brian caught a pass and was running for the end zone when John Norman Collins was chasing him. And so Brian made the touchdown and Collins kept running at him even after he got to the end zone. So he went to the referee, Brian did, and he asked like, hey, can you make sure this guy doesn't come after me? Um, (laughs) But he, um, yeah, he said it was a great experience and really helped him view the prisoners in a more human light. What are some other stories that you learned through the interviewing process? Yeah, there are a lot of good stories. And I don't think that here or even in the documentary, we can do it justice. But um, one of the things that we found is that Chester Markle, who went on to play professional football for the Green Bay Packers, um, he was a great kicker. Um, He was actually at Hillsdale and he played in the prison games. He um, would kick the football over the walls of the prison and all the prisoners would shout, I'll get it, I'll get it, 
joking about how they wanted to get out of prison. Um, so that was one of the memories that a lot of these guys shared. Um, and they thought it was really special. Um, there are also other incidents where, um, you know, the, the prisoners would dress up like cheerleaders and, um, (laughs) the guys thought it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so there are a lot more anecdotes that are in the documentary. So obviously this is a more lighthearted kind of fun documentary, but what do you think is the biggest takeaway? The biggest thing that we found in common among all the people we interviewed was that um, the games helped them to view the prisoners as human too. Um, When you're on the football field, you're not thinking about what the other person's background is, what they may or may not have done to end up in that place. Um, But you're just thinking about playing the the sport and winning the game. So it was kind of the great equalizer, um, created a level playing field. Um, so they said it was a really powerful experience that way and they could tell the prisoners enjoyed it too. So, um, it sounded like it was overall a very positive thing. How long did these prison games go on for? Um, the years aren't exact, but they're, um, from the mid sixties to the mid seventies. And we actually had a fraternity Alpha Tau Omega go back in the 1980s and play an unauthorized game of flag football against the prisoners in Jackson. What did Hillsdale administration have to say about that when they found out? Well, um, (laughs) what some of the players said about the original games is that the times were different. um, And that was beginning to um, be the case in the 1980s. So um, the college was concerned for the student safety, especially because they didn't run it by them first. So they um, requested that it not happen again. While the prison games were going on, the head football coach of the Chargers was Muddy Waters. What did some of the former players have to say about this coach? They said he was a profound um, impact on their lives. Um, one of them even said he's the most Christ-like man he had ever met. Um, and that he acted like another father to him. Um, So he really invested in these players and trying to develop them into men. So character development was a really powerful thing for him. Um, A lesser-known fact that we discovered during this documentary, too, was that um, Bear Bryant, who um, would become very well-known in college football as one of perhaps the best coaches of all time, when he decided to desegregate his team, he went to Muddy Waters, who had already done it, for advice. Um, and that was another common theme, that Muddy didn't care about um, players' race at all. He just cared that they could play football, and he cared about developing them into men. Were the prison games a requirement of the players, or did they choose to participate in them? Muddy required that all players... Uh, play in at least one prison game he thought it would um develop strength and character um and yeah give them some courage and then what was your favorite part of the process of making this documentary my favorite part of the process was getting to do the interviews and meeting the players because um you can see it in their personalities um they gained a lot of confidence through this and they were very excited to talk about their experience Um, You can tell it had a profound um, effect on their lives. And so that was something that I think is going to stick with me. All right, Logan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show. You're listening to The Collegian Week in Review. 
This is Maddie, and I'm here with Alex Dimel, the and assistant sports editor of the Collegian. And today we're going to be talking about the retirement of the 22-year-long head coach of the Hillsdale Charger football team. So, Alex, tell me a little bit about this story. Well, thank you for having me on, Maddie. Um, it's it's kind of funny. I got a text from a friend of mine Monday um, who's on the football team telling me that Otter uh, had officially retired. And I don't know if he would remember this, but my freshman year when he found out I had started to write for the Collegian a little bit, he jokingly told me that uh, one day he was going to uh, prank text me like a false uh, like lead. And so when he originally texted me this, now this was four years ago, but my first thought when he texted me this was, um, there's no way this is happening four years later. And then waking up to that press release the next morning was funny. But this is an awesome piece to write. Um, Coach Otter is great. Uh, getting to sit there and kind of run through his, not only his career, but this last season with him was was really cool. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about just sort of what his career has looked like and what he's done at Hillsdale. I mean, he he has been Charger football for, you know, not even just the last 22 years, but uh, coming in as a, he was a freshman in 1975. He played under um, Jack McAvoy. Now the third, um, all time, the third most wins in Charger history behind Muddy Waters and Dick Lowry. Um, and I mean, you know, you see the Otters Army t-shirts everywhere. He has become the focal point of Charger football um, and really inst- uh, kind of not making it about the wins and losses, but making it about building, you know, great men and great character. Um, and it's been, especially in a world where college football is evolving and changing so much, it's all about the money and the fame and the amount of reps and then getting it, getting to the NFL ultimately to have a coach that is still about, you know, the development of character is something so rare in college football. And, you know, it's another thing that makes Hillsdale football really special. What did the people you talked to have to say about Coach Otterbein? Just his, that he's always stuck to his guns um, and that he has, again, built a team that, you know, it's not about the wins and losses. I, I know I've said that about four times now, but that really is who he is. And it, it is so special because of how rare it is um, talking to, the athletic director at uh, for Hillsdale, uh, Coach Tharp, who was formerly the basketball coach, even said, like, uh, Otter is someone who's always looked up to, not only just as a coach, but when he transitioned to the athletic director role in July, um, just his leadership and understanding of, you know, athletics at Hillsdale and, you know, what the program is all about. Um, he's someone that, you know, has been kind of someone he's relied on a lot. Um, I know there are a lot of people that look up to Otter, you know, almost as much as they look up to their own fathers, uh, especially here on the football team. And, um, you know, it's he's had a very, very special career and uh, has even gotten to, you know, coach with his two sons for the past few years, uh, who are also great people, um, who are, they're also great examples of what his coaching style is and what he lives by. Who is replacing him and what's sort of in the future for Charger football? So he's being replaced by the team's offensive coordinator, Nate Treffler, who's been with the team actually on the coaching staff longer than Otter. He's been with the team for 25 years. Um, and Coach Otterbein said that he was the perfect choice of, you know, someone to replace him, someone who just knows the program so well. And there are so many players, especially on offense, that absolutely love Shreff, as they call him. Um, say he was absolutely the man for the job. Um, and Coach Otterbein talked a lot about, you know, keeping the same type of painting or the same picture for the program, but also, you know, he made it clear to Trev, you can't copy exactly what I did. This has to be your team, and this has to be your organization going forward, and you know the core values that 
um, you know, we've built up in the past 22 years, but now it's your chance to make sure that those values not only are, you know, remain, but are built upon. What did Otterbein himself have to say about his retirement? He said that he was, he, he felt like it was time about midway through the season. Um, he had talked to his wife about it, uh, about it a month ago. Um, and then after what was a, an incredible season, uh, they started off one in five this year. Uh, had five straight conference wins um, for another, I think it's the, I don't think they've had a losing season since they entered the GMAC. Um, but he sat down with his wife a month ago and, uh, you know, kind of pondered the idea. And then after the game on this past Saturday, he sat his two sons down uh, for dinner and said, you know, I think it's time I hang him up. And then he also announced it to the team on Monday. Um, and even Coach Tharp, uh, as much credit as Otter gave to Coach Tharp for what's been such a smooth transition, uh, Otter was you know, gave the same respect back and said that, you know, none of this, you know, transition or process could have happened without uh, Coach Tharp as well. Well, thanks for sharing, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Collegian Weekend Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram at hillsdalecollegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Week in Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review with your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.